Amen. There is no other name by which we can be saved or through which we can be transformed day by day as we live our life in this fallen world. Turn in your Bibles to what I think is one of the most popular, well-known passages in all of Scripture and certainly in all of Proverbs, most likely. Proverbs chapter 3. We're continuing our our study uh, in Proverbs that we're calling A Time for Wisdom. And this morning's theme is A Time for Wisdom in Our Growth. Christian growth, spiritual growth, growing in maturity in Christ. It's one of the five measures of a maturing disciple here at Oak Mountain. If you've forgotten what those measures are, let me again remind you that Oak Mountain exists to provide opportunities to experience surprising grace, surprising worship, surprising community, surprising generosity, and surprising growth. Growing in Christ is a lifelong enterprise. We walk with Christ. We attend Christ's school of discipleship our entire lives. Most schools we graduate from and move on not the school of discipleship. I had the privilege last week of revisiting my old school, State College Area High School. Went up with several people to see the Penn State-Auburn game, and one of the sort of the side benefits was to see my family, my own stomping grounds, but also go to State College Area High School. Well, it is nothing like the school that I attended. Uh, It is a, a fully orbed educational uh, institution. They have, of course, college prep, which I attended. They have advanced placement classes, of course, like every college prep high school. But they also have in the high school uh, trade schools. And so there is an auto mechanic shop. And you bring your car in, students are learning how to work on them. Hopefully it's more fixed than when you broke it in. But all you have to pay for is the parts. And students are actually learning auto mechanics. Then next to them on another floor, there, there is building construction. And they're, they're learning how to build walls to houses and put on roofs and build sheds and, and woodworking and all kinds of things. There's a hydroponics lab. So students are learning how to grow plants, crops, food in water as they're learning how to use fish and fish waste that is treated by chemicals that actually create an environment where you need no soil. And places like Africa, South America, that that can be drought-oriented. Just an amazing thing. They they even have a a merch store. They, They have State College Area High School swag. And you can go in as a student or an alumni and purchase things. It's amazing. Now, now the closest thing I've seen to it around here is the New Trustful High School. The New Trustful High School, for instance, is 360,000 square feet and costs $70 million. State College Area High School is double that, 680,000 square feet and costs $137 million. All for the education, a fully orbed education of students. 
the life of growing in Christ in the school of discipleship is much like that. The cost is free, but infinite. Our education was paid for by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross. And the subjects are limitless. Every arena of life is an opportunity to experience spiritual growth. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, lays out. We've heard about the three R's of school, reading, writing, arithmetic. Well, we have five R's of growing in Christ through Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. So let's stand out of reverence for God and follow along with me as I read Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8. This is God's word. Again, famous passage. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh, and refreshment to your bones. May God bless the hearing and teaching of his inspired, infallible, inerrant, and authoritative word. This is God's word. He gave it just because he loves us and he wants us to continually grow in Christ by attending his school of discipleship every single day until he calls us home. Let's pray. Father, we're all taking many, many subjects in your school of discipleship. Would you teach us what it means to grow in Christ even today? We pray this for his glory and the goodness and growth of the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Go and have a seat. So five R's in the school of discipleship. Rest renounce, remain, revere, rejoice. Don't worry about getting those all right now because we're going to cover each one of them separately. First of all, rest. Look at verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The Hebrew word for trust is like uh, having a chair and putting your complete weight on it. Resting in it completely. Knowing it's secure. You're you're not hedging your bets. You're not not putting a little bit of weight on on one foot and, and just sort of resting half your weight. You are sitting down, putting your whole trust and rest in that chair, the object of your faith. And to grow in Christ, it begins with trust, not trying. There's so much confusion in the Christian life. We live in a culture where where the one who tries harder gets ahead. But when you try harder, you're only using human resources. But when you trust, you're tapping into the infinite resources of the living God. Notice it says in the second part, trust in the Lord. That's the object of our faith. Not ourselves, not our gift mix, not our capacity. 
but the Lord. Now, that, that word Lord, whenever, I, I hope you know this, in your English Bibles, it should be whenever you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. That's very different than capital L, small O, small R, small D. Okay, small, uh, small O-R-D means master, the mighty one. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital, that means Yahweh, that means Jehovah, that means the covenant-keeping God. That means the God who chose to set his love on us, who is ever faithful, who showers us with favor, the covenant-keeping God. And that's who we're called to trust with all our heart. Trusting that he's eager to show you grace and favor in all your troubles, in all your trials. First Peter says much the same in chapter 5, verse 7. He says, cast all your anxiety upon him, upon God, the Lord, because he cares for you. But Solomon is not done. Look at the third part of verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. All your heart, soul, mind, and strength. All of your energy is to go into putting your hope and trust in God. Your whole heart, thoughts, emotions, longings, desires, choices. You feed your mind with the truths of Scripture concerning the love of God and the power of God and His willingness to come to your aid and rescue you. And as your mind is filled with those truths, your emotions are filled with security. And you long to put your hope in God and choose to put your hope in God. Then in verse 6, in all your ways, every arena of life, finances, relationships, vocation, retirement, ministry, service, In every area of life, family, parenting, marriage, complete surrender to God in every area of life. In Isaiah chapter 30, one of my favorite uh, passages in 15 and following, Egypt is about, uh, Assyria is about to attack Israel. And God has told them to be still. And to wait for him because he is going to rescue them. And so God says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust, that's how you're supposed to rest. And then Israel responds and said, no, we will not. We will flee away from our enemy on swift horses. And God, because he's so committed to us learning how to trust, said, okay. Then guess what? Your pursuers are going to be even swifter. And their horses are going to be better than yours. Not because he's, he's being mean or cruel, but because it's so important to God that we learn, that we grow primarily by trust, not by trying. We grow by resting in the Lord. There is more power in a single glance 
to God in trust than a hundred thousand man hours. There is more power in a single glance to Christ than there is in a hundred thousand man hours. And look, I'm talking every area of life. This isn't, this isn't just for the spiritual life. This isn't just to overcome sin. This is, this is if you're a CEO. This is if you're a medical doctor. This is if you're a lawyer. This is if you're a homemaker, a mom, a dad. This is everything. No matter what you do, there is more power and effectiveness in one single glance to Christ as there is in 100,000 man hours. And are we living that way? You don't believe me. Remember Numbers 21. Please don't forget that story. The people of God disobeyed. God sent venomous serpents to bite them so they were dying. And a hundred thousand man hours could not save them. But that single glance to the bronze serpent who represented Christ activated and released supernatural power that rescued them and changed their lives. And that is the calling of every single one of us here in every arena of life to gaze upon the Savior. Rest. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Second R, renounce. It makes sense if you're supposed to rest in Christ that we're going to have to renounce trust in ourselves. And this is oh so problematic for our generation. Verse 5, do not lean on your own understanding. Renounce your fallen, finite, temporal perspectives. Leaning on yourselves is like putting your weight on a broken leg. Have you ever had a broken leg and never tried to put your weight on it? You ever had a broken bone of any kind and try to actually use it with some force? incredibly uh, painful and very ineffective. What God is saying here is is we are all self-deluded by the fall. We actually think we understand life. In other places, God says, you can't trust in yourself because as high as the heavens are above the earth, so much higher are my ways than your ways. We're like first graders in school trying to explain and understand a nuclear reactor. And we actually have the audacity and the arrogance to think we can do it and pull it off. We're to renounce trust in ourselves. Verse 7, be not wise in your own eyes. Renounce that we have an inkling of what God's really up to. We're not called to figure out God. We're called to walk with Christ moment by moment and let his sovereign plan unfold. We are to renounce trust in ourselves and maintain a constant curiosity of God, what are you up to now? And to live in faith. See, it's difficult to renounce self-sufficiency and self-reliance because we dwell in a culture that magnifies self. Matter of fact, David Brooks, who is a writer in the New York Times, a phenomenal writer, I might add, he wrote uh, sometime back an article entitled The Modesty Manifesto. 
And he says that we as Americans in particular are way too overconfident. Which is so funny because we, we seem so insecure in so many ways, and I think we are, and that may be contributing to our bravado of being overconfident. But we've actually convinced ourselves that we are better Brooks calls it the magnification of the self. Listen to this. He backs this up with with science. He backs this up with polls. He backs this up with surveys and research. For instance, Americans of all nations always supply the highest self-ratings when it comes to how positively they look at themselves. Example, Americans are really not that good at math. Yet Americans are constantly being surveyed as people who think they're really great at math. See, our our view of self doesn't match reality. Worldwide, we pretty much stink in math. But if we ask ourselves what we think about our competency in math, they're sky high off the charts. We're great in math. No, we're not. High school students were were asked, do they believe they're very important? They're very important people. In the 1950s, only 12% of American high school students felt that they were significant or very important people. Recently, 80% of high school students think they're very significant, very important people. We live in a culture of magnification of the self. And in that culture, how do you learn to renounce self-confidence? Now look, I'm not saying we're supposed to live insecurely. I'm saying we're supposed to be secure in a different object. The object is not our resources, not our skills, not our capacity, not our intellect. But instead, we're to renounce self so that we depend on Christ. Rest, renounce Third, remain. Look at verse 6. Acknowledge in all your ways, acknowledge him. Now, acknowledge uh, in in, in our day is like, you know, giving a wink and a nod. Like like you're on the phone uh, on the sidewalk and a car lets you go and you go like this. You go, that's, that's acknowledge, right? Just, yeah, thanks. Okay, no, we're not talking about that here. Acknowledge means... To actually know by experience and have intimate acquaintance with. So, so in other words, we are to remain or abide in Christ constantly. A conscious dependence upon Christ. John 15, apart from me you can do nothing. As the branch abides in the vine, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me you can do nothing Remaining in Christ, acknowledging our helplessness. Again, in every arena. Look, you, the CEO running a corporation, has, this has no less relevance to that person or a lawyer or a doctor or, again, homemaker, parent, raising children. This is not just, quote, the spiritual life. Or what we can say is everything is the spiritual life. We, we tend to separate things like, well, I really need to abide in Christ here. But, I mean, this is my area here, and, and I, I just need to do as I've been equipped. No, no, no. 
abiding in Christ, remaining in Christ, acknowledging Christ, walking in the Spirit is true of every arena of life. Another way of looking at it is like in Matthew uh, uh, 11, 20 to 30, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. To acknowledge Christ means to, to, to realize and practice the reality that we are in a yoke with Jesus. And he's the lead ox. Okay? He is the one who leads us down the row that we're either plowing or harvesting. And our role is to stay comfortably in that yoke. Now, it gets uncomfortable if you stop seeking to remain in Christ and you start going off another way. You can't go off another way. You just get a sore neck. And we need to remain or abide in Christ. Now, how do we do that? Well, at Oak Mountain, we talk about the waltz. The waltz is a three-step dance with Jesus whereby we remain in Christ, whereby we are yoked with Christ. The three steps of the waltz are repent of your sin and then believe the gospel afresh, remind yourself of your justified standing or adopted status in Christ that leads to great joy and peace in believing, and then look upon Christ as a current Savior who not just saves us from hell, but has the power to restore us from our brokenness. Repent, believe, and then fight. The Christian life is a fight. And we're called to fight in every arena, to say yes to godliness and no to unrighteousness. And all the areas of life that I've been talking about this morning, the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, all the relationships, those are all the dance floors where God plays music. Now, the music of the waltz is God's pursuit of us through every circumstance and situation that he's orchestrated in our lives. And the aim of the waltz and abiding of Christ is not to stop the music. The, the aim is to learn to dance in such a way that it leads to abiding in Christ, that it leads to remaining in Christ. So where are you needing to waltz right now? How have you been trying to stop the music of God's pursuit of you through various circumstances that are difficult? And how do you remain in Christ? How do you stay in the yoke with Christ and recognize that his yoke is easy and his burden is light? Rest, renounce, remain. Fourthly, revere. We've talked about this numerous times already because it's all through the Proverbs. To revere God is to walk in the fear of the Lord. How many? We've only done like six sermons in Proverbs this fall so far, and yet almost everyone has addressed the fear of the Lord because the fear of the Lord is spoken of again and again and again. Verse 7 here in our text. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. To fear the Lord means to hold in highest regard. Now, please stop. Pause. This isn't theoretical. Do you truly hold God in highest regard? Is honoring him ultimately 
the only thing you desire out of life. That's the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord is an awe that motivates love, worship, and obedience instead of fear and terror. It's it's holding God in such high regard that we want nothing more than to live a life that is pleasing to Him. It's a reverence for God that reminds us that any of His commands is an invitation to our highest delight. And any of His prohibitions are a warning against our worst nightmare. That's the fear of the Lord. To hold God in high regard. And out of that regard flows obedience. Jesus said that. If you love me, you will obey me. To live in light of the fear of the Lord is to live in light of his full glory. His his nearness that melts our hearts and his transcendence, his majesty that creates all. Tim Keller's retired now. He used to be the pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City. He's written all kinds of books. But he said his life changed as a 12-year-old way back. um, I think it was in the 70s. And uh, uh, he had a Sunday school teacher. And the Sunday school teacher took out a piece of paper. And, of course, all 12-year-olds know uh, how far away the earth is from the sun, right? It's 93 million miles. We've all learned that. And the Sunday school teacher said, so if this width of paper represents the 93 million miles between earth and the sun, the next nearest star would take paper like this stacked 70 feet high. That gets the attention of of young students. Then she went on to say, if we looked at the diameter of our whole galaxy, the Milky Way, it would be a stack of paper 310 miles high, which, by the way, is about the distance from Birmingham to Augusta, Georgia. That's just the next nearest star if this was 93 million miles. And our galaxy, she wanted on to say, is only one speck of dust in an untold number of galaxies. And then she looked at these young students and spoke these words. Does he sound like the kind of God that you ask to be your assistant? Is God your assistant? Is he just a convenient helper when you feel like you might need him? Or do you hold God in such high regard that knowing, serving, And obeying him is the one great thirst of your life. Now, if he's not, what do we do? We abide in Christ through waltzing. You repent honestly. No, God, I don't hold you in that regard. You believe the gospel afresh, but you still love me even though I'm so pathetic at honoring you and walking in the fear of you. 
But God, I don't want to just be forgiven. I want to be changed. So I'm going to trust in the present power of Christ to be activated in my life through trust, through rest, through faith, so that I believe supernaturally I'm going to be transformed. And now I'm going to step out in fresh ways, living in the fear of the Lord. So you got rest, you got renounce, you got remain, you got revere, and lastly, we have rejoice. Rejoicing is key to trusting the Lord and leaning not on our own understanding. Look at verse 6. What do we rejoice over? That he will make straight our paths. As we rest, renounce, remain, revere, and rejoice, he will make straight our paths. As, as we seek to grow in grace, God removes obstacles that get in the way of growth. Look at verse 8. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. It's something to rejoice over. In other words, we're to live positively, expecting hopefully that as we go with Christ in the school of discipleship, our lives will be changed. Now, we're not saying that straight paths or refreshment or healing is health, wealth, prosperity, theology. We're not saying that all will be well circumstantially. We're saying that your soul will be transformed in the midst of your circumstances. And you will, by God's grace and spirit, perceive that no matter what trouble or trial you're facing, God's pursuing you in love to draw you closer to himself. And to make you more like Jesus. Paul says this over and over in the New Testament. Rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to tell you that. And it's a safeguard for you. It puts you in a place of safety. Living a life of rejoicing. Reminds our souls and those around us. That no matter what we're going through. It's God's loving pursuit of our souls. And God isn't necessarily interested in changing our circumstances. He's interested and obsessed, if you will, with changing us. He says, the Paul says the same thing in Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoicing is simply faith looking down the road. That's all, faith, that's all rejoicing is. Faith looking down the road. And so just as faith activates and releases supernatural power, rejoicing then activates and releases supernatural power because rejoicing is simply looking at the future with hope. You know, when we don't rejoice, we get off base. Remember Israel? How many times did they grumble and complain? And what happened when they grumbled and complained? They wandered in the wilderness. It looked like there were no straight paths. It looked like God wasn't making their paths straight. They weren't rejoicing. They weren't living by faith. They weren't renouncing trust in self. They weren't revering God. All the five R's we're talking about. NPR, uh, Morning Edition, is a, is a program that I listen to uh, often. It's usually really interesting and intriguing. 
And uh, one morning they had a story about a study that was done, began in Germany, and then it was done uh, here as well, where they blindfolded human beings and told them to walk in a straight line. And every single blindfolded human being thought they were walking in a straight line. And not a single one was walking in a straight line. The correspondent uh, said that uh, they were, the, the subjects were asked to walk for an hour. Now, granted, that's a long time. Uh, there must have been a really long, open space. Uh, but, but again, they, they still all were convinced they were walking in a straight line until the blindfold was removed and their steps were revealed and all they saw was a crooked path. In other words, there is a profound internal inability in human beings to trust their internal compass. The only thing we can do is focus on something outside of ourselves, a building a tree, another person. And spiritually, of course, the only way for us to have straight paths is as we fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the author, the perfecter of our faith. Jesus, the only one who ever, ever, got wisdom and as we follow him he will eventually lead us to the place where we do graduate from the school of discipleship at the new heavens and the new earth and in an instant we shall all be changed but for here and now change is slow sometimes frustratingly glacial. Yet as we apply these five R's of the school of discipleship, we will be changed and we will grow in intimacy with God, with one another, and he will use us to change the world. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for Proverbs 3. Lord, if there's anybody here this morning that hasn't trusted in you with all their heart with respect to salvation, maybe, maybe their, their inner orientation is off regarding uh, that they need to be good enough to get to heaven. God, would you show them this morning that it is trusting in you, not trusting in self, that leads to eternal life. And then, Father, for the rest of us, in every arena of life, no matter what area of life we're talking, remind us there is no spiritual, unspiritual division when it comes to life. All of life is your pursuit of our hearts that we might trust you more and that you might change us into the image of Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand and hear the benediction. Again, remember, the benediction is not just some theoretical end of the service. This is actually a pronouncement that God commands to be given so that his favor and blessing is actually, by the Spirit, applied to your lives 
in a fresh way. So receive it. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Abba Father and the fellowship and transforming power of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Amen.